When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, we'll play Stacks and Jacks now tomorrow. Matt Byrne on the board. Great campus and studio. SB Futures up 275. SA Futures up 50 cents. This is after a horrendous day on Friday, so not much of a bounce, if a bounce. Did you even call us a bounce, Greg, or at least it stopped going down for a moment? It's definitely not dead cat. No, no. At least it, this isn't even now up a little bit as much as a dead cat would this is be. dead fat cat. Dead fat cat. The, uh, we have, uh... Splat cat. Yeah. Do we have, uh, do we have somebody with us? You said we had Kevin? No, we don't. Okay. So we got, uh... Where's Matt said we had somebody? No, we don't. So... Oh, we have Jan. Well, uh... Everyone loves John. Yeah, everyone loves Come on in, Jack, because Kevin's going to come on in a bit later and talk about some sports, so why don't you come on now? You can sit there, Greg and I are going to talk futures. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, and we're going to talk this uh, just as, you know, I don't know, we, we, we seem to be somewhat clairvoyant a little bit on this show once in a while. We've been wondering, is that, is that a good term? Bewildered how last year they in had a constant the, state of or bewilderment. Or a cancer state of bewilderment. Uh, uh we're cl- what, what do they say? There's three kinds of people in the world, John. One, uh, one, one, one group makes things happen. Next group watches things happen. And the third group wonder, wonders what happened. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm at all three, Tom. <laughs> Once in a while, we're all at all three, I guess. Um, so we, uh, we, we've talked a little bit. You know what? Let's save this for a bit. Let's talk about the fu- let's talk about the futures. I so I heard on the radio. Uh, corn and soybeans, bumper crop, in, well, in Illinois they're talking about, I don't know about the rest of the states, but they said Illinois is going to have a huge year. Is that, what, is, what does that mean for prices? Has that been expected? What's the rest of the world doing? What's, what's yeah, right now the focus of the farmer is probably costs. They're, they've got their inputs and stuff that they need to do for next year, and we've got to harvest and then prep for next year and figure out kind of where the where you're going to be cost-wise because you can't do much for prices now. We've got, call it, almost $5 corn again, you know, 13 and a half, 14 bucks in beans. You figure out where you're going to be and then uh, start to cut costs because those profits at the bottom line aren't going to be as high as the past few years. So got to adjust. 
Um, you mentioned earlier you sent out that uh, fact sheet for everybody. I think you might have tweeted it out as well. Uh, regarding what last year the average farmer made 200 and some this year was supposed to be like 60. 60, yeah. yeah. But this, with this last little creep up in the in the corn and beans, it's not but a huge rally, but a little bit of a creep. Is that going to help those guys out a little bit? Uh, what would be more important is, say, if they were hedged on the way down. So when we were trading 15 or more, um, if you had picked up cheap puts or something on the way down and now you're sitting on some gains in the futures uh, to... That that would be more important. What was the if you had what you thought was a really good corn or soybean crop, and you and you were luck, lucky enough, smart enough, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Well, huh? to sell, nobody's going to sell. Well, some people might, but just for example, of how this goes, if you have your corn on the ground, okay, uh, they're going to have it probably into call it the end of September here. They they'll start they'll start really uh, harvesting at the end of what, September. What, what can bleep it up? A rain like yesterday over your farm? No. It, everything's pretty set now. A wind would be the major... If you get either a flood event or a wind event, you know, that's that's going to be the issue, but uh, otherwise... But what ground can, can push you to November where you can go get the stuff, right? If it's, if it's all week, you can't get the track. Oh, they go through, yeah, through the first couple weeks of November, definitely. Because what I'm, I'm saying with this is, if, if you have if you have a farm, if frost I a farm, you're talking about. Well, no, I mean I'm saying if if, if you had a uh, a big farm and you knew what you were doing, had the best stuff, and you're one of the, one of the guys that's doing the two and a quarter bushel stuff, and corn runs to eight bucks, say, and you're, you're happy as a clam to sell it there, you're probably not going to sell all of it because if something weird happens, if a hailstorm lands on your farm, you might not be able to deliver the 200 and some bushels you thought you could. Yeah, and then you're stuck. So you might want to sell half the futures and buy maybe buy the other half in puts or something. So you at least you have a... Right, and that's just risk management 101. Yep. You know, you don't want to be <laughs> you don't want to be caught naked either way. What do you mean? Got a hunch, bet a bunch. Right, and if you've got it, that's great. Uh, yep. A lot of people have, you know, that rent cost that's that's going to take a uh, quarter of the profits, and a lot of people are borrowing against their equipment and or uh, plant, and just you know it's it's an expensive uh, nut to have. Meaning, if your combine or your farm equipment, you know, you're borrowing it however much now, call it seven percent or eight percent, and also you've got your combine that costs more than a quarter of a million dollars. So maybe you're paying on that too. So it's it's making sure that you've got enough for next year, and then and then a decent amount so you can uh, continue operating even if the crop doesn't go exactly your way. If you had a, if you had to guess, we could ask, we could ask Flanagan this, but he, he won't know. He's a lawyer. Uh, if you had to guess, I'm going to say it's about 50. Right now, the government puts it at 50 bushels an acre for the beans and. 175 for the... But that's nationwide, right? right? Illinois right. will be over 200. Illinois will be more, yeah. Uh, if you had to guess, if, if you were to buy the the best of everything, well, you know, have to, you know a, a, a solid combine, for you to for you to use it full-time yourself, yes. and not, not like rent it out to the guy next door or whatever, because these things are incredible machines, how, how big a farm would you have to have to where you didn't have extra time on the thing or whatever? And if you got a smaller farm, a lot of times those guys have somebody come over and, and plant the stuff for them, right? Because they, they have one big thing and knock it off real quick. 
Yeah, what we think about is the the average kind of 1,500-acre farm. So you that farm could support a quarter million dollar this and a quarter million dollar that? Uh, that's just what it is as of now. I know, no, but, don't, but don't some guys... Yeah, you can pay you, someone else to come and... Yeah, or you share it. You, you and guys you can share it, right. But I would say... I would say at least 1,500 acres. All right. What, uh... On the other front, I mean, we've got oil going a little nuts. Oil's probably, what, around 90 or 91 right now. And that's a that's a larger input cost, too. So you got to pay for diesel. All right. Well, the, uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh... Not only that, I think, I think the volatility is, what, about 25 or so? Yeah. Oil vol is higher. You could expect maybe... You know, you when you're looking to plan, uh, I would say they're expecting maybe all the way up to 96 this month. So, just a yeah, just another fun. How come, input. How come the diesel flops back and forth with unleaded, is which is more expensive? Now it's, we're back up to diesel more expensive. A month ago, it was diesel was cheaper. Uh it it's cheaper, but a lot of it depends on what the refineries are are doing locally. So if they're pulling. <laughs> Yeah, it's here. It's a little different because they, they're what the supplier to O'Hare. They're, they've got a lot, but that's more of a local transportation uh, cost. Well, the uh, it's interesting that those have been listening to. Well, every morning we talk about this, but the uh, what other commodities we got? We got we well, talked about beans, corn, oil. What else we got? Well, I'm, I'm, the inter- phenomenon here, and I'm, I'm, I'll dig up the stuff. Here in a in a minute, uh, well, as I'm as I'm digging up the stuff, the uh, price of oil has been relentless going up. Right. The problem is, well, not the problem. The good thing is, because I threw gas in the suburban yesterday, the actual price of gasoline is going down, at least for the moment, which is which is weird. Aren't we at five? In the city, we're five well, bucks. Well, in the cities, what I'm saying is, in my local Shell station, it dropped twenty cents between last Wednesday and. Saturday, right, and what, what I'm saying 469 is, to 449. I think that's that's credit price. But how about that? All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to remember these dates because it <laughs> yeah. takes a second to do this. Uh, we were up to 91.53 on oil this morning, up another 76 cents. All right, so one year, I'm gonna say, uh, is, is so oil is 91.53. It was 70 bucks July 1st. Okay, and this is what's weird about this. Now, our Bob, on the other hand, is, uh, was, uh, where are we here? Our Bob, which is the wholesale price of gasoline in uh, New York Harbor, correct, Greg? Yeah. Uh, our Bob is actually. That's a, that's a New York. But it's, it's the, it's a quoted price. It's the New York, and it was the New York market. I forgot which exchange it, yeah. New York market. Our Bob was, uh, 296. And uh, in middle of August, and now it's two seventy. So it's actually down twenty six cents. Is the price of oil is going straight up? Yeah. So that's. I mean, we we had the we had what some refinery issues for a while, but then we have a we had a pipeline issue. We had something. Plus, you have the summer blend is now off, right? <clears throat> so that's a little plus for these guys. But don't forget, <clears throat> if the wholesale price is two seventy, where I'm going with this, I paid uh, three eighty seven yesterday, or three seventy eight, whatever it was. So, and we're talking about Illinois has 92 cents worth of tax. Right. So, somewhere along the line, there's not a big margin there. Yeah, there's not a big margin there. 
I'm not saying I, I don't like that, but it's it was fine for the Suburban. Just saying. Suburban's thirsty. 42-gallon tank, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't think wow. I'll yeah, it's a. The good news is, is you can get all the way across Nebraska if you want to, which which is really hard to do if you're, t- if you're going like out skiing or something. Nebraska, no matter what you did, you had to stop there for gas. Except with the Suburban, you can make it. So you can piss those guys off by not having to buy gas in Nebraska and give them taxes. <laughs> Just say, hey, so John, uh, looking at this, uh, we have talked on several occasions when we do the uh, Dia de la de, de Independencia. Is that what? Well, no, we're talking about the. Uh, I'm, I'm shifting here from oh. uh, the uh, the health insurance. We've talked about the CPI and how last year the the last year they've had health insurance down 16 percent, which of course nobody's health insurance ever goes down. I mean, <laughs> come on. No. It's uh, I mean, it's a question of how much it's up. So here, there's a there's a an article in CNBC by Greg Iacurri. Iacurri, I A C U R S. Iacursi, that's a, that's a mouthful. Uh, the uh, oh, he's, he looks like a Flanagan. He's a Beardo guy. You, you, you could be you could be best buddies with this guy, John. He's another Beardo <laughs> dude. Uh, John has a, his facial hair. Um, well, I used to, Tom. Well, once in a while you do. I mean, yeah, I do. It comes and goes. Comes and goes. We had a, a softball game once, and uh, it was this kind of altercation at first base, right? And some guy from the other team, our center fielder is this real stacky, real tough guy. He comes in first base, and he might have been the guy that was sort of in the altercation. This other guy comes off the bench with a beard and says something. He goes, hey, buzz off, Beardo. Get back, <laughs> back on the bench. <laughs> so you ever have to have you, John? Buzz off, Beardo? <laughs> anyway, talking about a, a, a sidecar there. Uh, anyway, this this is so complicated here. Only our government would think of something this like this. Greg, check this out. The uh, inflation is broadly retreating in the U.S. economy, right? Starting in October, health insurance is poised to act as a countervailing force that buoys inflation, which is only 0.7% of your basket, which is even even more ignorant. Um, significant rise comes at a time when policymakers are using inflation to determine how to set interest rates. I don't, I don't. The underlying reasons for this dynamic is a quirk, a quirk. Now, the U.S. Department of Labor Statistics, which publishes the Consumer Price Index, a widely tracked measure of inflation, assesses changes in health insurance costs. I tell you what, we could put the three of us in a room and we'll even take Matt Byrne with us, the four of us. We would never dream this. Um, health insurance prices are a tricky thing for economists to quantify. Yes. BLS doesn't measure direct consumer costs such as monthly premiums. Now, right there, there should be a big X standing in front of your face. That's because these premiums don't buy the same quality of insurance, right? It's going downhill every year. Uh, benefits and risk factors vary from policy to policy. For example, price changes between health plans of varying quality cannot be compared. Any quality adjustment methods to facilitate price comparison will be difficult and subjective. According to the BLS, the BS, should we leave out the S or the L? BS fact sheet. Instead, the agency measures health insurance inflation indirectly based partly on health insurance profits. Would you ever have dreamed that, John? Yeah, I, I was floored, Tom. What would be the reason for doing that, other than you don't really want to know what it's doing to the consumer? Right. So profit margins serve as a proxy of consumer prices. So 
Health insurance prices have been declining roughly 3 to 4% a month since October 2022, helping to pull down inflation at a time when other metrics proved stubbornly high. Now for the year starting in October, the CPI for health insurance will start rising just over 1% a month. How Early in the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm reading this, I can't even believe it. Early in the COVID-19 pandemic, health insurance profits jumped. Consumers were still paying premiums were generally disallowed from visiting doctors or hospitals for elective procedure. In other words, they, they made out like a bandit. Is that what that means? Is that what that, yeah. Uh, but consumers used their insurance more often in 2021. Insurance aggregate profits shrank because they paid out more insurance benefits relative to 2020. Hence, monthly inflation readings flipped. Na- so in other words, because, they, because their, their profits dropped, they assumed their prices were going down when in essence all they were doing was actually letting people go to the doctor. So they right. had it down 16%. They actually had to provide services. What, what, and what, and what's somebody's radar? Does this make any sense? The BLS. Greg says the BLS. Questionable L, just. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, I don't see how this could possibly be even how somebody could look at this and say, what are you guys doing? So if if they, if they make less dough, because somebody actually goes to the diner, they're still probably making a fortune. Uh, if they make less dough, um, then all of a sudden, that means the, the rates are coming down. So if we extend this argument to, say, auto manufacturers, when the auto manufacturers call it cave to whatever, the UAW, and they start losing $5 billion a quarter, does that mean the in, there's going to be less auto inflation? Um, there's not going to be a cl- chance of those guys losing money. They've already raised the prices. What, what did they say in the natural? Um, what, what, you missed the point, son, I already have. Well, yeah, but call it call it. they're going to make less money. So that means inflation goes down? Is that the no, reasoning here? No, the price here? of cars won't go down. Well, but yeah, well, yeah the reason with these guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, according, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, why would you ever think of that in any other, bit, any other industry? Makes sense to journalism and French majors like Greg Iusuri. Oh, so, so your your buddy Trump comes out and says, if the if the if the auto unions push too hard, all the jobs are just going to go to Mexico. So, my question, Jan, is like I said on Friday, I don't wanna, we got to go to break here. Well, we'll worry about it after break. Uh, SP futures unchanged. Nasdaq futures down eleven. So so much for the bouncer yet. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Hello, Webpage Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom I'm Matt Byrne on the board. Greg Pappas in the studio. we got Kevin O'Neill and Jan Flanagan on the line. SB Futures, we're heading south here a little bit, down 250. NZ Futures down 24. Greg, I don't like this opening here. This doesn't look good for a dumb market, does it? Fat cat bounce. Yeah, and NVIDIA down another eight bucks. Oh, there's stuff in the Dow. Virtually not much going on anywhere in the Dow. You only got the Dow up. I guess you got the Dow up 18 points. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 93. That's 0.6%. Again, a little bit of catch up from Friday. Puts it down 26.3%. CAC around down 73. That's a full percent. So they're leading the charge down. Uh, European markets in negative territory. Fed in the spotlight is their two-day meeting starts tomorrow. The announcement on Wednesday. Not expected to raise rates, uh, but who knows what they're going to say. Nikkei uh, up 364. That's a full 1%. Wait, whoa, whoa. They didn't try to trade it. Their last trade was a 916, which meant, uh, well, 15. That would have been Friday, so they didn't trade. Hang Seng, however, did. Down 252, under 18,000, 17,930. That's a full 1.4%. Uh, Hang Seng. Uh, actually, up eight points, point three. It's kind of odd. Last six months, uh, Greg, the Hang Seng and the Shanghai do not seem to trade together all the time. Friday, ouch, Dow down 288. S&P down 54. That's 1.2 percent. That's a big loss. Nasdaq down 217. That's 1.6 percent. A lot of the big stocks are getting hammered. Uh, bonds today up two basis points, 4.34. I think the recent high has been 4.36 because we're, so we're going right there. 
Uh, the bond up two basis points, 2.69. Japan uh, 0.72 unchanged. We've got oil up another 61 cents, 91.38. Rent up 50 cents, 94.44. Natural gas up a penny, 265. Our bomb, however, is down a penny, 269. Gold, which has been a little bit of a move up, uh, back in the middle of the range, 1948. It's up 250 today. Silver up eight cents, 23.47. That's a full dollar off its off the. Uh, 2251 low on uh, was it Sunday? Was it Thursday morning, right, Greg? But uh, down there was was silver was a buy. Here I'm not so sure. Copper unchanged. We've got Bitcoin up 659, 27,171. That's two and a half percent. And we have the U.S. dollar virtually unchanged. The pound at uh, uh, 123. Dollar is strong all last week. Uh, the euro at 106. So that uh, dollar being strong has caused a lot of stuff between markets and markets. Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports, finally. Well, yeah, currently 6.36 a.m. on September 18th, 2023. Uh, the weather in Chicago, 57 degrees, currently a high of 70 throughout the day. Uh, partly cloudy currently uh, with sunny skies expected throughout the day. As far as the work week forecast, rain tomorrow in the morning with a high of 70. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, sunny skies are expected with daily highs around 80 degrees. Look forward to that. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies, 79 degrees currently, a high of 101 today. Sunny skies expected throughout the week. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lose to Pirates 2-6, and White Sox lose to Twins 0-4. In the NFL yesterday, yesterday, Bears lost to Buccaneers 17-27. This marks their second loss this season. They have yet to see a winning game. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. The only reason why they only lost two is they only played two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's, it's the old, uh, they, 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 if they play, they lose. I guess yes. that's how it goes. Yeah. We have well, Kevin for a little more expanded sports <laughs> report here? We do indeed, we do indeed. Kevin, did you uh, first? Is there any hope for the Bears? Mm. <laughs> um, 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 uh, <laughs> no good answer. Not, not that I'm seeing. Uh, actually, uh, they they had a couple of nice drives. I've come to the conclusion that their offensive coordinator Luke Getze is probably the worst play caller I've ever seen in the NBA, in NFL. The guy calls screen pass after screen pass after screen pass. And they, and they virtually never succeed. But he keeps calling. Remember Austin, or what was his name? Shoop? What was the... Yeah, Shoop was pretty darn bad, yeah. He was bubble screen and then run run right and then... <laughs> well, Kevin, as repeat. a former lineman, if your offensive line totally sucks, what can you do other than a screen pass? You know what you uh, what I would have them doing is is you know drop back and throw hit the seams quickly you know it, the, your job and and I know Fields is is in the habit of holding the ball too long um, I you know I get that put him on the move he he throws well on the run and he runs well on the run I mean you know they did this last year early in the season uh, you know um, Fields was terrible and they were calling the same plays that they called early in the season last year. Only, uh, you know, and, and then they hit the bye week last year and said, oh, we got to change things up. And so they let started letting him run more. They started throwing on the move more. And and it's like none of that ever happened. Um, uh, this, you know, this is, um, th- this is the classic, I run my offense no matter who my quarterback is. And that's not how you call plays. So, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not feeling real good about Justin Fields, but on the other hand, I'm also seeing things where they're—it's it, it, almost as if they're trying to make him fail. 
Well, they, they clearly don't want him to be running 20 times a game and get himself killed. Like Even scarier, what if those are the best plays they got? And they even, <laughs> Could be. What if that's the best? I, I think if that's look, the best at, they got, you got to run with Smith it. Smith in, uh, um, in uh, um, Seattle. I mean, that guy was with the Jets, and he, he looked terrible. And, you know, the Jets are, you know, they kind of long have long-term sucked. So, uh, you know, it's not surprising how many times have the Jets drafted a quarterback high and had him not pan out. You know, I think they that organization has never had anybody who could develop a quarterback. They send him out to Seattle, and the guy's pretty darn good. Uh, you know, so I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, a playing to the guy's strengths, but B, you know, you have to have people who know how to develop a quarterback in the first place. Speaking of developing quarterbacks, I think Brock Purdy or whatever is the first quarterback ever to have multiple uh, touchdowns and wins all all first or six games, right? First quarterback yeah. in NFL history to win his first six regular season starts while throwing multiple touchdowns. Well, a lot of that. I won't say a lot of it, but. Christian Some of that McCaffrey, comes from the fact that you're Debo no, Samuel. <laughs> but you're, you're normally your number one pick on a quarterback goes to the worst team. So you'd have to be, I don't know who you'd have to beat to win your first six games. Well, keep in mind, San Francisco was good when he got there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, and he um, he was the last player taken in the draft. Uh but he, uh, um, but yes, he got on a good team and then had a bunch of injuries fall in front of him. Well, and Garoppolo had the same, and it wasn't. Yeah, I mean Garoppolo, Galapagos. We'll call him Jimmy Galapagos. Um, <laughs> Garoppolo was, uh, you know, was a winning quarterback there too, and he's, you know, he's fine. He's okay. He's not great. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the team they put around. So the Bears, we were we were worrying about their offensive line anyway. Um, they they had a number of bats. They're playing rookies and young guys, and you know guys that we'll see if they pan out or not. And then they and then a whole bunch of them got hurt, so they can't block anybody. Yeah. Uh, got sacked six times yesterday. So I look at all of that and say, no, I, I you know I, I I don't I don't see much hope for the Bears. The only the best thing that happened to them yesterday was that uh, Green Bay and Detroit lost. Yeah, actually, the entire division is what one and one, right? And they're only a game behind. Which yeah, so they're they're only a game out. If they were to somehow get their act together, they'd, uh, uh, you know, they they could be in contention. But um, you know, that that that's the the if part is the one that worries you. Well, here's my issue. I, I was uh, Matty Weber get their usual and where the Bears are going to be this year, right? And so I I uh, said very generously, I said something like because I actually thought they would be better than last year. I said something like eight and nine. Yeah, you guys were you were, we were yeah. all high on the Bears. So then I looked at the schedule, and I said, you know what, I'm going to have to redo this to five and twelve. But I really couldn't pick five teams I thought they'd beat. My problem is that Tampa Bay was one of them. Now where am I? Uh, I'm two, two and fifteen. Deep doo if you put money on it. I, th- I think I'm. I think I, I'm down to like four and three and fourteen at best, like last year. By the way, a couple of uh, interesting stories, at least to me. Uh, the the Irish game I thought was interesting. And did you happen to catch, I don't know, as I mentioned to you yesterday, you guys to the YouTube of the uh, the end of the uh, Seattle uh, Commander game? Yeah, uh, I did Den- see Denver, it. Yeah. Celia, sorry. That, 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 I don't think I've ever seen a Hail Mary quite like that. Uh, Russ is back. Yeah, and I, well, 
he wings the thing, but the ball didn't make it to the end zone. So all these guys jump up at like the five-yard line. Two or three defenders get it in the air because they're all it, off the ground. It, it seemed like it rolled across the shoulder pads of one one defender. Yeah, and it was up in the air on people's fingertips for like the five yards all the way into the end zone. But near the end, Kevin, two offensive guys in a row touched it. Now, two offensive guys can't can't touch the ball in a row and have it be a completion, but after a defender touches it, does that, that rule go away? Or they just it didn't probably see it? does. I don't know that for sure, but probably it does. Probably does. So then they they get one in two points in, the, in this unbelievable hail mary. What was it like two seconds left? It was. I mean, it was. Oh, at time it expired. Time it expired. So then they go for the two point conversion and tell me tell me you saw pass interference in that play. The guy got undressed for God's sake. And they, um, the only thing that didn't happen is his helmet didn't come off when the guy uh, wrapped it up. Yeah. I mean, and the refs just choked on the whistle. It's a very bad ref. Did you see uh, Bill Belichick spike the, uh, the the red flag of the linesman's feet next to him? <laughs> I, I, I didn't see that. Um, they, they had a, the quarterback is running around. He, he's being chased. So he's, he, he can't make it to the first down. So he sees some big, fat linemen, you know, compared to the running quarterback. Wait, are we talking Patriots? Yeah. And, okay. he, and, he, and the, guy's, the guy flips him the... Uh, the ball on a lateral, so the lineman goes trudging forward, and they called they called him uh, right on the line that he made the first down. Okay, so then, uh, well, no, then they said and, uh, that he didn't or something, and, and Belichick did a review, and uh, so he's standing, he's all disgusted looking, so he keeps the flag in his sock of all places, pulls up his pants, he yanks it out of the sack, and there's a, the linesman standing right next to him, right in front of him, he spikes it, crap. I was dying laughing. He's he's a character that guy. But the well, uh, I wonder if uh, if the ref would have called an unsportsmanlike for that, and he would have said, "Well, now you didn't make it." Yeah. <laughs> so well, I want to just talk just a little bit, Kevin, and we'll get back to real estate and stuff with Jan. But uh, the Irish game, um, as you eloquently spoke last week, the Irish were one of uh, three teams that have never played a Division Two team. Like I'll say, just for the money. Uh, and now they're down. Somebody else was the, one of them. They're going to play yeah, this week. U- UCLA, uh, UCLA broke it uh, this weekend. So now that we're now we're down to one. And it's Southern Cal. Probably the one team has been it's Southern Cal. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I, I will say this because I, I really am loath to say anything nice about Southern Cal. Um, but Southern Cal, the one thing I will say about them is they don't do a whole lot of me too there. Um, it, they uh, they do they do what they do, and uh, you know if you don't like it, too bad. I guess the only me too thing they've ever really done is uh, imitate the South uh, the SEC when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, well, they were what's his name was way worse uh, when we were there. That was his name. The guy went to coach Tampa, get thrown uh, out McKay. of McKay. McKay McKay was then, the worst, and then and then Robinson as well. Yeah. But McKay didn't even, they didn't even have those guys didn't even go through the admissions department. I mean, it was it was they had their own admissions department for the football team. Yeah, but I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, you know, I, I I don't imagine that, uh, um, you know, not only is USC not, and maybe they will, you know, maybe they're joining the Big Ten. Maybe they'll morph into a Big Ten program. Um, but uh, uh, but USC, um, you know, they're they they haven't uh, managed to schedule a one double A team yet. What does morph uh, into and, a and, Big and Ten? If team? you think of their game presentation, I don't. You know they're they're playing that 
stupid Conquest song that I can't stand to hear, but uh, but I'll give them credit. They're playing that, not Crazy Train. Um, well, the so, Irish, you know they 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 don't try to be just like everybody else, and I, and I do appreciate that, that that about them. What does morph into a Big Ten team mean? Uh, it means that <laughs> slower uh, and better defense. That, 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 no, I, it means it means they they lose all dignity. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the Irish, the thing I, I was listening to radio and uh, you know because it was on Prime, which of course it, you know frosts the hell out of me. But that's another story. The uh, so I'm listening to radio guys, and I guess on two occasions, one of the guys on the other team tries to yank Hartman's like leg out of the socket, right, while he was on the ground or something. Uh, and the guys twice t- actually, twice. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. They they not only did they go in low on him, but then they started twisting the leg afterwards. Um, but this is what I my my concern is when these teams play. I mean, there might be a few good guys on the other team. I mean, there probably are, but by and large. None of those guys is recruited at Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State. I, I don't think. And so the by the end of the game, unless unless they transfer there, uh, yeah, yeah, from one of those programs. But by the end of the game, the announcers, he was whoever he is, is pretty straightforward. We said the out of the starting eleven defensemen and, and the team, eight of them had left the game with injuries, and and this team, the Irish, are playing. And every time one of the guys hit that estimate guy, he basically didn't get up. In the fourth I think, quarter, I think, I think everybody's going to be. Uh, he's going to do that to a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of uh, what's his name, the bus. Uh, yeah, I, I think I told you on the phone yesterday. The only difference between uh, Estime and, and Jerome Bettis because they're both really good, you know, shifty enough runners, and uh, and they're both big battering ram types. The the difference is that Bettis is. Second sport was bowling, and he yeah. was a you know he, he's a really good bowler, uh, and he, he uh, hosts bowling tournaments for uh, uh, for charity and so on, and uh, so that's his second sport. And I think estimates could be hurtling. Yeah, um, he's because I'm pretty sure there is no greater spectacle in sports than some uh, 230 pound battering ram hurtling would be tacklers, which he did a couple of times in Saturday's game. I'm going to say though that uh, by as his career morphed on, I'll use that term again. Bettis was way over 230. He's a huge man. Oh yeah, yeah, and I and you know what, uh, Estime may get to there too. I remember, uh, remember in Vegas, I saw. Uh, remember, he's just he's just a youngin. Well, two people had, from that era went to a Notre Dame function, and I saw Alan Page, and Alan Page allegedly paid at 265 or 270, but. He thinned up when he was on the Bears, and he became he started running marathons, right, Kevin, or something? Well, yeah, he actually he actually uh, lost a lot of weight. He played around two twenty, and uh, and that was one of his uh, bones of contention with Bud Grant, and why he did ultimately leave um, the uh, um, leave the Vikings is because you know Grant didn't like him slimming down like that, and Page always felt like a it would batter for his long term health, but. But as he got a little bit slower in his later years, he would also, uh, um, you know, he would also be able to continue to be effective. Uh, well, he, well, he uh, when he became a Supreme Court judge and everything, I think he retired. He's still alive, I think. Yeah, Minnesota Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I saw Franco Harris. This is after he retired in a casino in Las Vegas. And I recognized immediately the big round face. I look at the guy, Kevin. It was like a refrigerator walking by me. The dude. Huge shoulders and straight down. He was a massive man. I mean, for that guy to have played at 230, he must have been on a diet every day. 
that guy was no closer to 230 than I would be a jockey, for God's sake. He was, and it didn't look. It wasn't like this guy should go on a diet. He was just that big. And it seems like the, the backs get bigger after they retire. The linemen get smaller, right? Uh, prob- uh, probably. I mean, the linemen need to get smaller. You can't carry the, their kind of weight around, and you know, after the beating they've taken, and expect to uh, uh, maneuver. You turn into Jim Otto, where you can barely walk. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair. What the? All right. So real quick, Irish Ohio State. Any chance? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ohio State isn't isn't the same Ohio State that they've been. But I also think the Irish. You know, first of all, when you when you have a pro caliber quarterback, that makes a huge difference in college sports, and and Hartman definitely is that. You know, I I, I did something. I, I think he's. I, I think he hit. Um, uh, in fact, I'll get it while I'm talking. Um, the number of receivers that he um, uh, that he hit in in just in the game. On um, uh, on Saturday, uh, let's see. It was, it was, it was, because uh, I wrote it up. Um, you had uh, he hit eight receivers on Saturday. Uh, Seventeen have caught passes this year, and uh, and Jaden Thomas, their leading pass receiver. And these guys are good. These are good receivers. But he's caught sixteen percent of the team's total. Uh, last year, so 17 receivers have caught passes this year, 13 last year all season, and Michael Mayer had 28% yeah. of them. Well, he, um, so, you know, they've, they've gone from reliant on one guy to ha- using to utilizing their talent. They have a quarterback who spreads the ball around. Um, and, uh, and, you know, if you go with Joel's count the pros on the team uh, e- evaluation, I think there's a lot more guys that are standing out as NFL players. Hartman would be one of them. I don't know that he's a first-round pick, but he's going to be picked, and he's going to be on a team. Um, but then you start going around, and you say, well, you know what? They're two deep in tight ends that look like pro prospects. Both of their offensive tackles look like pro prospects. And then, uh, and then you know, they're, they're three deep in halfbacks who, can, uh, who, who look like they're going to be pro prospects. And, and you sort of keep going down on defense. Their defensive backs are really good. I think the only question is, is their is their defensive line good enough to uh, stop Ohio State? But I, you know, I I think this game actually could turn out to be very entertaining with both teams scoring in the 30s or, or higher. Well, that'll, that'll be cool. Well, Kevin, yeah, thank you very much fun. for the. Uh, uh, any real quick, any hope for the Cubs or uh, turn out the lights, the party? Well, I tell you, yesterday they need a hot week. That's all they need. They'll be in the playoffs, and once you get in the playoffs, if you have three starting pitchers, then you can survive, especially if they get their closer back. Uh, and they did, and they did have Stroman pitch over the weekend a little bit, so that helps them. Um, John, I'm going you, Friday. John, did you hear that? All we need is a hot week. Yeah. <laughs> Where have <laughs> I heard this? <laughs> words, words to live by. You're, you're going Friday. I think the whole gang is going Friday, Greg. Right? Yeah, Kevin, I'm going, Kevin, I'm going to go Friday. Yeah. Maybe you guys should meet up, touch base. You know. Touch well, base I, in the I, I'm going to have to come home on Friday night because I have a uh, um, I have a class on Saturday mornings. Now. All right, Kevin. Well, thank you very much uh, for calling in. I, uh, we have yeah, a little... John. John, reach out to Daryl if you want to go to the Cubs game with us. Thanks. I will. Appreciate it, Kevin. By the Bye. way, by the way, Kevin, I know or I knew because she's passed. The lady who uh, one of the, Audrey, Audrey has a bunch of friends, right? So we meet this lady who happens to be. Uh, she was the bank, or is probably the banquet manager at the Hyatt at McCormick Place. 
And that's where I heard all about how, how much it was worth to those places if we would have gotten the Olympics here. Anyway, long story. So I won't. But her mother, we go to dinner and her mother's there. What, a, what an amazing lady. She had like three or four kids, dumps her guy, marries this other dude with like six kids, and uh, figures that guy was useless too, so she tosses him. She puts all ten kids through college. Wow. Because the guy... She, she kicked him out and kept her kids, right? So she's got 10. It was like the Brady Bunch without a husband. She puts all 10. Well, she was in marketing, and she had three. One of hers, one of her lines was reach out and touch someone. Nice. And the other one was, uh, how do you spell cheese, K-R-A-F-T? And uh, the third one was, uh, oh, gee, uh, brings good things to light. All three were her, her, her lines. She got paid for those, obviously. Yeah. Did, did she, uh, she got paid to, uh, as a marketing person to come up? Did she get a commission on it? Though? I don't know, but she well. Did, did she what, get a royalty on it? That's what she really needed. Well, she had a, a apartment on Astor Street and put ten kids through school. So Sound, sounds like she did. That. But that was back before school was quarter mil. Nevertheless, it was ten. Yeah, so my I read, ran away with my brother yesterday. I hear on the radio that uh, now for a, a a kid, a baby, a kid. A baby, it, it's uh, 213 grand to raise them. So, of course, I get over there. My nephew's got two darling little girls, and the little ones, she's just over one, and now she's decided she really wants to walk and wants to talk. So she's pointing at stuff and everything. So all of a sudden now, in the last month, she's decided she wants to be able to do all this stuff. Plus, she eats herself now. You know, she doesn't want you feeding her. It's all, all in like three weeks. I said, How you, you ready for the 220 grand? <laughs> my nephew's looking at me like, I don't know, I guess so. <laughs> Well, somehow I think it's more than that, but you know. Oh, I do too. I, I, I occasionally hear people who say, "Yeah, we're waiting to have kids until we can afford them." And I always Good luck say, with well, that. We're not having kids. The immortal words of uh, Bill Flourish, who was the vice chairman when I was on the SIBO board. Bill goes, "Let's face it. If all of our parents waited till they they could afford us, none of us would be here." <laughs> That's the truth. And that is the truth. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much, bud. Um, so, Jan, when we come back, uh, we had an interesting. I was telling you yesterday, I had an interesting discussion with Audrey, who'll be calling on later, and uh, about, you know, taking losses. And, uh, you know, and she was saying that you really don't take a loss until you, you sell the asset. And, of course, it's totally diametrically opposed to <laughs> my view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, obviously, if you buy IBM at 100 and it's trading 80, you've already lost it, right? So, uh, but it's interesting. The more I thought about it, though, I'm thinking, okay, Odd feels this way, and one thing's for sure, Odd is not a dumb lady. She's very bright. And I started to think about what are the differences in real estate to where she could be actually, I'll use the term, somewhat correct. And uh, I don't know, I did a little thinking about it when I was watching the Cubs try and score. Uh, There was plenty of time to think there. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do, uh, Jan, I'll just throw this one out there and, you know, pine out for the break, that in, in... Trading stock or futures or whatever, like like Greg does, you buy gold at two hundred and it's trading one ninety. Hey, you're down ten bucks. You can argue all day long that you haven't made the sale yet, but the fact is, you're down ten bucks. I mean, there's no. Can anybody really debate that, Greg? I mean, you really can't. The only thing about real estate that's different, and it's kind of odd, John, and you can opine after the break. Um, if you go buy a house, when you look at a house, all you care about is your monthly nut, correct? I mean, it, I can afford three grand. I can afford thirty five hundred. I can afford fifteen hundred. Whatever it is. And even though probably you should, there's nothing you can do about the ratio between the, the rate of interest 
in the house. So it's if, if to, to you in terms of your payment, it really doesn't matter whether the house is a half a mil at three percent or two fifty at six percent or six and a half, whatever it would be, right? Because you're you're not sort of the same, right? Right. So now if if you go in there and you pay the higher price and you get the lower the lower nut or the no lower interest rate, you essentially almost have two assets. You know, one is the house that you paid X for. The other is you have this loan to you that if one goes sour, the other one is going to be more valuable. So if the house starts to drop, your your uh, your rate probably st- or, or the house goes up or drops, your rate your payment stays the same because you essentially have a loan at three percent. Well, now a loan just like that is now six. So that loan is actually. I don't know if the accounting definition would be an asset, but it's something to you. So even yeah. though the house goes down nominally in price, or really in price, it doesn't, and the rates go flying up, it doesn't bother you because you've got... Well, let's talk more about it after break, because I think yeah. the, the mix-up is if it was a personal loan to you, it wouldn't matter, but it's not. The house goes with the, the loan goes with the house, but think about that on break. SP Feeders down 8, NASDAQ Feeders down 49. Again, not much of a bounce here at all. I'll be right back. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Round up the usual suspects. Welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. At Burn of the Board, Greg Pappas in the studio, Jan Flanagan on the line. So, Jan, if we round up, round up the usual suspects, how many of the contributors to the show would be rounded up? <laughs> well, I'd have to look at my little head count here. It's about 20, 25 maybe? You think of all of us? All of us, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so the question on, on the table is, uh, when if somebody went and, and bought a home at... 500 grand and got a three and a half percent mortgage and now all of a sudden the you know they're having trouble or whatever its case is and uh if they sell the place even if they break even on the place if they go somewhere else they're gonna have to pay a lot more now the question is why why uh why did those things become in 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 my day you could get an assumable mortgage so if you if you actually went out and paid too much for a place, but you got a real, a relatively inexpensive mortgage, you went to sell the house to the next person, the person would almost be able to pay your price if they could get your loan price. How did how did that ever not become a, a personal loan and be attached to the building and not to you, John? When, when did that all change? Well, I'm you know, the recollection I have, I mean, assumable mortgages went out the window you know, when interest rates started to explode because the banks wanted to write a new loan. And they didn't want you piggybacking on somebody else. And they also wanted the opportunity to deny credit to people who wouldn't qualify, even though maybe they, they could come up with the, the the payment, you know, in the short term by taking over somebody's mortgage. But they didn't want that as a, a long-term bet. Um, but, you know, just to get back to the thing about unrealized losses, um, you know, like we were talking about, you know, if your house goes down in value, you're losing. The average person doesn't think that way, nor probably do they have to, um, because they've got a place to live in, and they've got, you know, maybe they have no need to move, and they have no intention of moving until they absolutely have to. So they they don't see it as, as a loss. They don't see it as something maybe necessary to be too concerned about. Well, because their payment the remains term. the same, and, and if everything's okay, right? They, yeah, they, yeah. they know what they can keep to a budget, and as long as they don't have an illness or some unexpected, you know, disaster or, um, you know, a crisis in the family, um, this, this is how they can plan, you know, and and do it with some kind of certainty that they'll have enough every month to cover their expenses. Once you, you know, the, the problem with banks, of course, if they've got you know, <laughs> treasury bills in their portfolio that are, you know way off, you know, because they bought, you know, high and now they're low, and they can't, like, get that together for any kind of future borrowing, uh, they're stuck. So, I mean, an unrealized loss to them is something very different. That, that really affects their ability to function. But um, but the average homeowner doesn't have to think that way. I mean, God bless them. <laughs> I have a question for you, since you are our, our legal beagle on this subject. If if I were to form a trust and and buy a home or buy an apartment building, whatever it is, and I were to get a loan uh, for the building or whatever it happens to be, in the name of the trust, and I were to sell it, if I were to sell the trust to Greg, does the loan go with the trust? 
No, the lot most mortgages would consider that as you know an acceleration. They they call the loan on it. Um, so transferring a, a beneficial interest, you know, if you kept the same land trust as the, the naked title holder, if you wanted to sell the beneficial interest to somebody else, that's a taxable transaction for transaction taxes now. It used to be that you didn't do that, but now you do pay taxes on it. So it's considered an arm's length transaction for taxation purposes, as well as for the, the well, lender. How did, how did I get away with that? If, I, if, if uh, <laughs> say if Stacks and Jacks had a gazillion dollars, and I wanted to go buy a, another, just a regular company, you know, somebody who, whatever, it could be, a, you know, auto repair facility, could be a manufacturing facility, and they had gone out a year ago and got some 10-year loan at 3% some more, if they had that good, they don't, those guys, if I buy the company, they don't get to say that loan's no good anymore. Right, and that's, you know, that's personal property anyway, so. It's not I'm saying, how, how is it yeah. that these that these mortgage companies have been able to separate the loan from the building, and if one goes, the other is reneged on. Especially if the, you know, it seems like you know heads you lose, heads you lose, and tails I win. If you're the bank, well, that's when you got you know the security agreement to back up the, the note, the IOU, um, and those covenants are interlocking. So you know, so failure to keep the property insured, or you know, if you're sued for neglect, you got a you know building violation case against you. Um, that's a, a violation in terms of the, the note as well. You can't say, well, it's, you know, that I can just separate one and I treat them independently. The bank sees them as traveling together. And um, it, it, I can't think it necessarily has to be that way because it's, it's based on promises that are intricately involved with the management of yeah, can you the think of any other? Can you think of any other loan, any other, like if it was a, if... Uh, can I ask a question? Sure. So... You're talking about if if a trust buys a property from an individual. Well, actually, what I'm what I'm trying to figure out is there any way that you could set it up when interest rates are three percent? You know they're not going any lower, and 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 you have to pay half a million for a place that you know is only worth four hundred because the rates are on that low. Can you yoke the two together to where if you have to sell the house, it lose a hundred grand in a house? You have a corresponding positive asset on this loan because now everybody else is paying seven, and you're only paying three. Something you lose that—that's the problem. I'm thinking, is there any way to yoke that together? I mean, because if it, if you were to sell, you know, if you guys had a I'll use the term, if you had a big restaurant, right, Greg, a, you know, a real big one, and you had a a five-year note from a bank that you got at four percent two years ago, if I bought the restaurant, the bank doesn't come in and say, ah, that's no good. By the way, now you got to pay me seven. It goes with the restaurant, right, Jen? Yep. Yet in a mortgage, it doesn't. And I guess my question is, why? Well, it's common law. I mean, it's just the way mortgage law has kind of descended to what we have today. And I can see the reasons for it, certainly, because um, if if the financing for the acquisition of real estate somehow becomes separated from the real estate, <laughs> at some point, you know, I, I just don't think that lenders going to be very comfortable with a loan that isn't you have to substitute some kind of other security for it another piece of real estate maybe and you can do that with with you know you know various paper what if what if we uh well in that case wouldn't it still go with if you buy the company or you buy the you it, buy the loan st- it still goes with yeah it? i'm saying but if real estate is involved in there i don't if, if, if uh so if stocks and jocks had an office well, uh, that's what i'm trying to get the, the 
That's what I'm trying to find and, here. Is where, and where's you were the, taken in rents and all, and all this other well, stuff. Well, Stacks and Jacks bought a, a six flat as a business. Now, in a, in, and was, then you sell Stocks and Jacks to CNBC? Yeah, do, do we get the loan that is hanging on a six flat, John, or no? If it's another company? Well, you know, if you've got, say, you bought it in a land trust and the beneficiary of the land trust was a partnership or several partnerships or corporation or individuals combined with any of those, um, the, you know, the, the title would be in the name of the trustee, but everybody's participation in coming up with the money every month, you know, to make the nut is based on what, what the trust agreement says, which is not a matter of public record. But, you know, and we're talking here about Illinois land yeah. trusts too, Tom, which are a special creature. You know, not, not every state has anything close to this. Most states really don't have what we have here, um, which is kind of, it, it's the whole thing is kind of a, a fiction, Tom, that, you know, with a land trust, you've got legal and equitable interests all merged in this kind of trustee that owns the thing, but there's clearly no real equitable well, interest on the part well, of the It just seems like, I mean, obviously with a car loan, if somebody bought a car loan, uh, well, I don't know, I've never done this, but if, if somebody had bought a, a car or a truck and paid like 80 grand for it two years ago and had uh, no interest loan for three years and they sell me the truck, the loan disappears as well, sort, sort of like a mortgage, right? Yep. So it doesn't come with the truck. Well, it does. You know, it's, it's personal property, town, you know, vehicle, different from real estate. So, well, they um, still, they still, the, the the bank literally owns the thing, and you pay it off, sort of like the bank. Right, and, and, and of course, in, in in the case of a car loan, you don't have possession of you know physical the certificate of yeah. title. So, uh, but you you do have a, you know deed of conveyance if you buy real estate, and you know unless you check the public records, you don't know that that property may be encumbered by a mortgage. But you do have evidence of ownership that you don't have a piece of personal property like a car. Well, you know, it, it's it's I uh, I'm sort of stunned, and nothing I can do about it. Is the uh, individual people that uh, that I know the, the 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 tax laws totally bleep individual people, even in, in very simple terms, and and nobody ever talks about it. I mean, I I think if uh, I think if I went out and bought a truck, I, mean, I don't know, I'm not a tax guy, but if I went out and bought a truck and I bought it in the name of Stacks and Jacks and got a uh, a low loan on it, of course, there's no low, no loans anymore, and I were to sell Stacks and Jacks to somebody and they get the trust I, or the truck, I think they get the loan yeah. as well. Where if it's individual, they don't. And, and I know not hundreds of people, but all kinds of people, John, that uh, say they're carpenters or they or they do work on weekends or whatever. You know, they paint houses once in a while on weekends. And a lot of these guys and ladies are paying their own health insurance, which is not deductible. And, and if once in a while you say, hey, Joe, hey, Jane, you know, for your outside work, maybe even in terms of liability and so forth, when you go paint a house, it should be Flanagan's Painting Company. It shouldn't be John Flanagan. And now, if you need to pay your insurance, Janice's, John's painting company can deduct it where you can't. How many individuals do you think take advantage of that? I'm going to say 2%. Yeah. The, how do their tax people, how, does, how do people not even recommend? I mean, I'm, I'm not giving tax advice. I'm just saying, how much does the government make by people not knowing the rules? 
or not to, well, and it's not just not knowing but but affording some you know yeah. to pay for a lawyer and every a bunch of other people to monitor this and do a separate tax return for a corporation or a trust or whatever uh it isn't i think a lot of people know this can be done it just doesn't make sense for them to to do this unless they are planning to build some kind of an empire in the process where they've got the money to throw around to make this you know feasible and beneficial for them but it's you know it really is designed to protect the people who are already getting protection from the predators by having a sort of an obstacle you know to reach these assets in you know any kind of an action so it's, it takes you know power to kind of keep that power under control the average person would love to have that but they don't have the, the kind of well you know, if, if you're making 45 grand a year at some job and you make another 15 you know being a carpenter one weekend a month and now that, that brings you into the next tax bracket if you're paying your own insurance now you're not getting help on Obamacare if, if, if you're paying two grand a month for taxes if it's all you it's just out of your out of your bank account if, it, if it's the firm at least you get to deduct it right well, that's, that's the beauty of you know being a corporation time our, our constitution and, and our Supreme Court has lavished lots of benefits on these things but I, and I guess the, the other people just don't they don't they don't want to be bothered they don't, they don't they want an attorney they don't want a tax guy they just do it the other way and the government just reels it in what right and that, that's, yeah. that's a great deal yeah great deal for the IRS hey you know part, pardon my ignorance here Greg is telling me that I've been wrong all along I, I, I thought when these guys cut this budget deal last time they pushed it off to after the election and yet it's coming up again this month what I don't know, I you mean that. the shutdown? Yeah, you know? I thought I thought they pushed it off after the election. Well, I, I sort of had that impression too. So. <laughs> I mean, I, it wouldn't have been much of a deal if they weren't able to do that. I think people are getting really sick of this, you know, soap opera quality to this, where it just keeps coming back and back again and again. Well, and, and, and that was my understanding too. Yeah. I mean, to a but to a certain extent, I mean, I don't want to hear about it every couple months either, like you don't. But there's. There's a reason for it, and, and whoever is in, in power or uh, whatever, let's say the Republicans bleep up and the Democrats bleep up. They always bleep up in different ways. And when, when Trump was in office, he came through with his Trump tax cuts, and he promised they would essentially be accretive. Not the fact that you know there was some growth in the economy at that point, but there was th- that they would be accretive to the federal to the federal budget. Well, a year later, guess what? They're not. So, okay, Congress passed that, I get it, and it comes with a certain amount that you, you, you know you're going to be borrowing every month, and all of a sudden, at the end of a year, you'd say, wait a minute, you, you idiots promised me that our deficit would be $28 trillion now, and it's 31 So So something's wrong. So when I, when I keep voting for you to be able to up this, you know, the amount of money we go borrow, I want to have a second, second crack at the apple here because by saying, Whatever you told me before was a bunch of crap, because obviously it's not working. We need to review this. Now, same way, fast forward to the Democrats, wing out all these inflation bills and all this other kind of crap that really is just giving money to some people. Uh, there's probably some good programs in there, but they came out with the promise that if everybody gets the internet, we're gonna everything be so you know so uh, efficient that by the way our tax increases are our tax are gonna go up. Because uh, people are going to pay more because the economy is going to be huge. Well, well, that didn't work either. So now the Republicans are saying, "Okay, you idiots promised us a twenty-nine trillion dollar uh, deficit, and by the way, it's thirty, pushing thirty-two. 
So we want to. I can understand both sides of the argument every time they do it. Yet, for, as, a, as a citizen, you sit there and go, "It's better. You guys voted for this. Why are you surprised how it's?" I think because they lie to each other or lie to us and not to each other or something. Well, this one, I think it's actually the Republicans who are yeah. who are split because the, well, the hardliner ones are not going to give up. So the Freedom Caucus and their their people are saying, you know, cut. And I think the more what's what's McCarthy? He's like a more moderate. Well, he's Republican. in the middle. He's yeah. In the middle. So they got to figure out how to get those votes together because that's. But the, I'm saying the real reason of it is real reason is that the real reason either, is because that none of them know how to interpret numbers. They know how to speak and persuade people, but <laughs> the numbers are that just. Yeah. And it's it's all about buying leverage in the future against you know some opposition within your own party or demonizing you know the, the opposite party. It's about you know gaining some kind of advantage and playing blame game for having let this happen. And you know both parties are are equally. I would say the, the Democrats have made a meal out of the Republicans the last several times. And when it comes to blaming, you know, one party for the for the risk of a shutdown, but both parties have played this kind of brinksmanship, and it's really all about gaining some well, kind of the one guy point is threatening to toss cycle. McCarthy. The the well, guy yeah, from Florida, he he said, if you don't do this, we're gonna we're gonna vote you out. Well, they have that uh, deal where anybody can get a they can get a vote against him any time now, right? Right. Jan? Yep. Well, I and think they, I mean they're being threatened. I mean, G- Gates has been saying some pretty provocative things about how McCarthy's days are numbered. So, well, I mean, uh, I I think that the the, the real I guess I'm always, I always say this it always comes down to numbers, and I think the the general public of which. You know who knows who that even is. Uh, with all the with all the BS that both sides are giving us, and I think to be kind of honest, Greg and Jen, is that both of the BS they give each other in Congress, both sides are stunned that we're pushing 33 trillion here. I think when when Trump did his tax thing, that was before COVID, and and, and then this guy did his stuff. I I I'll bet this the. Uh, you know, I will bet like I will on a bear. Am I the only one who doesn't have a problem with the extra COVID spending, or at least not the initial? Uh, the the the. I think the extremity was dramatic. Yeah, the extremity was a lot, but isn't that what the entire point of the government is to just kind of throw money fill, at people? No, fill in when it is chaos. You know, create <laughs> something where you can well, survive a, for the next couple it's, months. It's a, but it's a matter of degree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 how. Well, the, I mean that's the specific. Greg, it's, it's a it's a multifaceted. You're you're on the edge of uh, of, of the precipice of uh, your own doing, and then all of a sudden you get a rainstorm. Right. right. I would be more in favor of nothing, 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 and then when you actually need government, like a pandemic, then they actually overdo that, it. That would be. That would be. And they definitely went. If if they definitely but overdid if if it. you had, so we say, a balanced budget. <laughs> what does Warren Buffett say? He. Uh, just make sure that their pay gets frozen too if yeah. they don't have a balanced budget and that, that then they would balance it at but, about but I mean most people don't don't want a balanced budget I mean uh, I mean Danny Davis was talking yesterday he just happens to be Democrat you know was talking about how if we if we do this uh, we're, we're not going to be able to pay this for kids and this for that or this for this if we shut things down Danny, Danny you're, you're 33 percent in the hole and what you're spending versus what you're taking in yeah, and I mean, you got to borrow at much higher rate now. But I'm, I'm going to get—I would bet every one of those guys, if you were to—if you were to—they can remember, if they even have a memory half of them, 
if, if you were to ask them five years ago before this even started when Trump put through the taxing where our national debt would be they probably would have said what do you think John 27 trillion and it's 33 yep. so, so we're, we're way ahead of either one of them's thought that's, that's where I'm coming and, and Greg World War, yeah. World War II we increased the money supply I'm thinking by 10% a year these guys did 40% in 18 months Civil War we, we, we did 10% a year I mean, this this was, they didn't borrow it, they didn't tax it, they just printed it. And, and the dollar's still going up. Yeah, well, it's because everybody else did the same thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, if, if, you can, if you can learn one, one thing from the, the old monetarist theory that I, that I am, that nobody wants to talk about anymore, the dollar is, is not going up compared to every other thing in the world except the other people's currencies. Which is all that matters. No, it's, it matters very little. It, it, it's, has it gone up in terms of uh, your your house? Has it gone up in terms of uh, of uh, the stuff you buy at the restaurant? No, it's gone it's gone down in relation to every other good on earth, except other people's dollars or currency because they did the same thing. Well, it's been good for the stock market. Well, it, duh, yeah. It's exactly <laughs> so it's my not point. everything. No, but that's exactly my point. Is the stock market really up, or is the value of the dollar down thirty five percent? I would say the value of the dollar is down thirty five percent. The dollar's down, but in, in, in additionally, you've you've got a but, bunch of okay, foreign but it, people. What, what I'm saying is scrambling to buy real estate I, I, and I, stocks here. I, if you go back to the history of the Weimar Republic, which maybe you should read one of these days, the stock market went straight up, even though people couldn't live. Right? Yeah, I think that would be an issue. Yeah. Well, okay. That's that's exactly my point. Well, th- think of it this way. I know I'll go through this one more time. Think of it this way, because I, I obviously have been in trouble explaining this. If if the Fed just told everybody tomorrow, we're going to give everybody, just walk in with a Washington and you're going to walk out with a Jefferson. Every $1 bill you walk in with, you walk out with a $2 bill. If we double the amount of money, what would happen? If we did it to everybody, everything would just adjust. It would be like a stock split, right? If I owed you 20 bucks, then I owe you 40 bucks. Yeah. Everything would just, the, the, the price of a burger, instead of being $12, it would be 24 and, every, and if I was making 20 grand a year, I'm now making 40 It would just adjust that way. But it's never even. Because, and right now, if they put 40% in, why do you think it's not going to be a 40% of the impact of doubling it would be? It's the same thing, right? The only difference is, if you talk to Rick Santelli and all the people on TV, and they say, the, dollar, the, the value of the dollar is going down. Oh, no, wait a minute. Compared to the... To the, to the uh, Whatever the euro, it's okay. But I'm not comparing it to euro. I'm comparing it to the used car that was five grand two years ago, and now it's nine. It's the same car, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, nominally much much higher. Yeah. So if you look at it, my right John or not here? I mean, I think this is somewhat of a simple, yeah. but it's it's. I'm I'm with you on this, Tom. But it's, and, it's, you know, I I, I look the, the you know the smashing and tearing people go through about the, the government shutdown and everything else, and I I see it as just really smoke and mirrors because the, the things that people on both sides of the aisle are pushing for whether it's more you know missiles to ukraine or you know more aid or whatever uh this is i mean the sort of thing where we can you know print money and spend it in ways that we don't get any return on it we're really good at that um but but to kind of prove how, how ridiculous this has become did you see that the state department released uh you know a notice the other day appointing Penny Pritzker, you know, J.B. Pritzker's oh, sister, yeah. a special ambassador in charge of, 
you know, the rebuilding of Ukraine. And, you know, we're not even finished spending money to destroy Ukraine. And we're already, you know, getting figure, figuring out how we're going to make money rebuilding it. I'm which not means saying. you and I won't get anything from it, but the prisoners won't get a lot from it. Do you, uh, would you put her in the same class as George Marshall? <laughs> no, Tom. <laughs> I, I would not. <laughs> I, I, she was Commerce Secretary when Obama was. Yeah, she? but that's like, that's a. Yeah, after Obama said he, she was too controversial to pick job. in his first term. You know, in, in the second term, he relented, and all of a sudden she's the, the Secretary of Commerce. Well, cause but I, she was she damaged goods early on, but she wasn't damaged if, enough. If you around, give so. people enough money, what did uh, that's that's a small job though compared to it's a great Marshall. job. Well, if she wanted to yeah. make money, she would make money different She's ways. She's got money, but it, yeah, but th- these are ego trips. These are massive ego trips. Who is the not guy? if you ask them? Okay. They're helping us. Oh. What about the guy who? Uh, That's John Kerry, right? right? They're they're sacrificing. You know, she who, could be making five hundred million dollars a year. It, yeah. Who had the who had the, the best job ever in his mind? And maybe for you, you probably wouldn't. It, this this is gonna this is gonna fly right right by Greg's head. Greek individual that he is. Uh, what was it? Uh, is it the the, the, the <laughs> less Greek? Than just well, what I'm, who got the who got the job? Uh, the guy, the big engineering firm here. It's been the deep tunnel. They've been on the deep tunnel for 50 years. The biggest, biggest boondoggle ever. Uh, is it Tunney? Not Tunney. It's uh, Wolf. No, it's the. Uh, you don't even hear about him anymore. The one guy was Clinton made him ambassador to Ireland. Tell me you wouldn't love that job. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> but what do you do? You, I go hang out in Ireland, and the ambassador. I go to dinners every night, and I get to meet all. I get to meet all the people in Ireland with money all day long. You can't. You can't was it Kenny? Kenny Construction, right? Yeah, one of the Kenny boys became the the uh, ambassador to Ireland. Well, somebody needs to write up, you know, a guidebook to you know ambassador appointments, and you know, show the relationship of you know how those people fit into the formula of why this is good for, for the U.S. Well, well how, better yet, good for the person. The Chicago yeah. Highway contract can't be that bad. They're always working on the highways. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, the uh, your your buddy, the Ramfather, he's ambassador to Japan, right? Japan, yeah. I would think that. They're in trouble now with inflation, but you know you just pass it on to the the consumer. I guarantee you that they're they're, they're not going to never lose money on a construction project right. thing here. They're, yeah. they're, they're too tight in. <laughs> <That's> the uh, <laughs> they don't they don't work the third shift. That's for sure. They're not even working the second <laughs> yeah, shift. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it, it, but you you would think that at some point when when you're broke, that you would you would stop the dull. You'd say this is this is not good government anymore. I mean. I mean, what's happening in Chicago? Do you think the graft is any any lower than it was when they weren't this broke? I don't think so. No. I oh, mean, the, the graft is much higher. It's so. probably higher. It's probably higher. much higher now. Because now people don't care about the place; they just want their money to be out of here. I mean, I can't. I mean, Audrey was telling me all about, and she'll be on in a minute uh, about all the people that are actually moving down to way southwest. And we were out in Manhattan, and I'm like. Anybody doing down there? She goes, "What are you talking about? Everybody's moving this way." And I'm going, and "You know, what? she's she's right about it. I mean, she's she's the one who's got places for people and and whatever. Is people want to be as far away from a city now as they could ever be." And I I don't think that's all that healthy, John. Do you? But I just you know. Well, it's certainly bad for the environment. It's bad for. I mean, eventually, I mean, a lot of these places are going to see huge taxes, like the city. Yeah, has somehow you know been able to dodge. Everybody in the city complains about taxes, as we know. But to, to build something up like what people are going to expect if they're living in a McMansion community in Manhattan or some other place, uh, 
they're just you know they haven't even started paying the bills for that yet. Yeah, a lot and, of them are yeah, townhouses. Right. We, I'm going I'm to drive 50 miles out in a cornfield, live in a townhouse. Not have it, you know, spit in the ocean backyard. Or... Yeah, I mean, it's, they don't even have. I, I mean, I, I get it. A lot of people retiree. They, 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 a, lot, a lot of them are are people retiring from police and fire and stuff. They just want just want out of here. In a worse you know, way. I think they're really trying to recreate um, what you and I have talked about: you know, the high density communities that are, you know, give at least the impression of thriving places because you've got people living in close quarters and it's, it's walkable, you know, all the things that people feel like they don't have an opportunity to get in Chicago or to afford anymore. But if you can go someplace else and recreate it and build a townhome community. Well, I, I can have, see, yeah, I can see New Lenox. I mean, there's a, there's a train yeah. station you can get here on the Rock Island Express. Right. You can, there's all, there's all kinds of, you know, there's restaurants and stuff. And I mean, I, I, I could see that if you, if you're, if you're escaping, but <laughs> I don't know about Kankakee. <laughs> like, a little far out down here. Anyway, uh, SP Futures down four, and Anzavir's down 32. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, Johnny, hang around. Audrey will be on. Yeah, sure. Talk real estate, and you guys can gang up on me, you real estate people. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello, welcome back to Jack. Sometime out, Matt Burn on the board. We got a lot of people on this morning. We had a lot of stuff to cover. We had real estate. We had sports, and we had all, all kinds of stuff. The whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. Yeah. The, uh, so you know what that refers to, uh, by the way, Matt? No, enlighten me, Greg. Football. No. <laughs> it, it, it regard, that's how much concrete you can get on a concrete truck. So if you want it full, mm. you say, "Give me the whole nine yards." Ah. If you don't need nine yards, you get seven or six or eight. You don't even have to order the whole thing, and they just throw it out somewhere. And, the, and they, as I say, the more the merrier. Well, yeah, yeah. except that you only can stick nine yards <laughs> in there. That's be going to need a bigger truck. Yeah, you got to bring a bigger truck. SP Futures down 550, NASDAQ Futures down 38. We were up all last night and this morning, but not so much now. Again, Fed meeting starts tomorrow. Wednesday is the announcement. The chalk has it that they're going to come out with a uh, – no, no raise, but they're going to talk about they're, they're data dependent. Back to being data dependent, whatever God's name that means. Uh, over in Europe, a DAX down 117.7 percent, FTSE down 23.3 percent, CAC around down 78, a full one percent. So Europe not looking so hot. In Asia, uh, Japan close. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know what they're doing. Hang Seng down 252. That's 1.4 percent, under 18,000 again. 17,930. Shanghai, however, is up eight bucks. So it's. Uh, they've not been going in the same direction for a while, same, every day. Uh, uh, Friday, ouch. Friday we were down 288 in the Dow, 55 in the S&P, and 217. It's one almost 1.6% 1. in the NASDAQ. Bonds, up one basis point, three, 4.34. Again, very close to the high of 4.36 a few months ago. Bund, up two basis points, 2.68. Japan unchanged at 0.72. Oil. Creeping up again, another 1%, up 93 cents, 91.70. Print up 75 cents, 94.68. Natural gas down a penny, 2.62. Our Bob unchanged, 2.70. Again, Barbara was 2.92 when natural gas was like 78. So that, um, if this keeps going up, our Bob is going to have to start moving here pretty soon. I'd fill up the Suburban if I were you. Uh, gold up a buck 50, 1947 is up, but not very much. Uh, silver down a penny, 23.37. Silver's had a big bounce. Almost 90 cents in like three or four days. So if you caught that bounce, you had a good few days in silver. Copper unchanged, 379. We've had crypto with a move up, 868. That's 3%, 27,380. And we've got the, uh, the dollar against the euro and the pound virtually unsa- unchanged, 1066 in the euro, 123.8 in the pound. Ah, Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi? Weather sports. Bears lose, Cubs lose, Sox lose. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the rundown, yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, currently 7.37 a.m. Good morning, everyone. It's September 18th, 2023. Uh, the weather in Chicago currently is 56 degrees, a high of 70 today. Uh, partly cloudy and currently with sunny skies expected throughout today. Uh, the work week forecast, we're looking at rain tomorrow in the morning and a high of 70. Uh, from Wednesday through Friday, sunny skies are expected with daily highs around 80 degrees, so look forward to that. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, different story. Clear skies, 79 degrees currently, and a high of 101 degrees. Uh, sunny skies are expected throughout this week. Kind of late in the year for that for those yeah. guys. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lose to Pirates 2-6. to six. White no, Sox no, no. Lose they lose to the Arizona. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll 
honestly, we gotta check through our ESPN stuff. As uh, as Greg does They're know, playing Pirates tomorrow. That's a new series. All right. I'll get those, those corrections in uh, uh, as soon as we can. Uh, White Sox, though, lose to Twins. Yeah, yeah, this is not, not a good pitch for ESPN. Uh, White Sox lose to Twins 0-4. Uh, tonight, White Sox playing Nationals at 6.05 p.m. Uh, yesterday in the uh, NFL, Bears lost to Buccaneers 17-27. to uh, This marks their second loss of the season. We have yet to see a winning game so far. And will we see a winning game? Uh, well, it is unlikely. <laughs> it's 12 in a row, right, Greg? Yeah. They lost? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, 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 what's what's Justin Fields? What's their uh, all-time streak as a franchise? Can't be worse than twelve. Let me look it up. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Do we have Audrey? We do indeed. Yes, you do. All right. How are you? Fine. How are you guys this morning? We're we're just hanging around, being guys. You know. Morning, that's Audrey. always scary. Yeah, we're just hanging around, arguing about stuff, talking. Uh, uh, your our discussion yesterday. I was talking to John about it. About about houses and. Whether or not if people you know aren't forced to sell, I mean they're not really taking a loss. And I was arguing the other side. I think that uh, we're kind of both right on that one a little bit because you not only have the house, but you also have a, a loan which is very valuable. You know, the problem is if you lose the house, you lose the loan. Uh, and we we're going through kind of the history of of how that is and and how if uh, if you and I owned a tried to buy a six flat from another company. Uh, the, the mortgage on a six flat would probably come with the other company, right? Uh, you know, no. It, well, it depends on the size of the place, right? I mean, if you bought a six flat from a, a, a C Corp that was owned it, where well, you just bought the whole company, the whole thing comes with it, right? <laughs> Not necessarily. That's a good Nancy question, but you're assuming that a mortgage can transfer. That's not necessarily so. Right. If it's not, you know, if there's no mortgage security instrument with the town that's just you know some kind of loan that doesn't have a lien against it like a mortgage um it, it would come along with the corporation but otherwise you know the mortgage is going to you know it's the, the lender's not going to let you do that they're going to write a new loan for it well we're, we're, I'm, I'm fishing around odd as i usually am i'm kind of fishing around for where the boundaries are but it's obviously very obvious well, how's that for obvious? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, if, if 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 you opened up your piggy bank and you were to go buy Microsoft, okay, and Microsoft has a thirty-year debt on their books of two percent, you get to keep that loan. The bank doesn't come out and call it and say, "Oh no, now now it's a seven and a half," right? We're trying to figure out where where the line is, where the loans go with the place, and where they don't. Obviously, on an individual mortgage, they don't, and that's and that, and that yet. We were saying back in the 80s, the answer was they might, because it might have been assumable, and that all sort of died a long time ago. I'm trying to b- figure out. I mean, I, I mean, I think if BlackRock goes and buys, you know, uh, Pappas Holdings, and there and there's it's for know, sale for it, about 16 billion. If yeah, anyone if, wants. if there's if there's 15, 12 flats in there, <laughs> not they're they're buying they're buying the whole shebang. They're not they're not uh, they're not they're not not having to re to redo any of those loans. I don't think. But now, obviously, in an individual loan, you do, right? So, I mean, so you, the problem with somebody having to sell their house out at a lower price is they lose the loan, I guess is where I'm coming on this. Yet at some level of society, you don't lose the loan. So, forever that's worth. It's too early for me now. What's your point? Well, I'm saying... <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> well, I'm saying that for somebody who's forced to sell a home they bought uh, two years ago with a 3.5% mortgage, they're kind of screwed because the mortgage is a separate instrument. It doesn't doesn't go with the house. 
if it did, it wouldn't be a big deal, is what I'm saying. If, or if the mortgage was assumable, it wouldn't be well, a big deal. If it didn't go with the house, there'd be no need for, or if it didn't go with the house, there'd be no need for the mortgage industry. We'd all be just swapping stuff well, like right. uh, baseball cards. Well, I mean, I, I, I had an assumable mortgage in Beverly. Yeah, well, how many years ago when the dinosaurs were going up down Western Avenue? Wait a minute, I'm only 29. <laughs> well, how was it my house all week? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard hard to get a, a nice word out of these people, isn't it, Jan? These little things. So anyway, well, tell us all about what's going on with you. I was uh, down in Manhattan with you, and you're right. The place down there is is somewhat booming. No Lennox, everything looked like it was a flurry of activity. Uh, those areas are are doing pretty good, eh? Oh, Manhattan is hot. Uh, it's of course expansion, and you know, even though uh, John had. A- Drag him kicking and screaming. He went go. For, I had to go meet a client for a final walkthrough. We're closing on their beautiful home today. Uh, and he's like, where, where, where are we? I'm like, we're, we're just going through to Lennox. Says, relax, it's all okay. <laughs> he's like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Well, you know, it's it's very interesting. Manhattan was incorporated, I think, back in 1886. It's an old town, uh, so it's been around a while. And the natural progression of expansion has taken a development out to there. But as you get out of New Lenox and you're heading south, you have like a little breakthrough where there's still, you know, a lot of beautiful farm country. The soil out there is great. There's really wonderful farms. And that's the only bad part about uh, construction to me is we're losing some really high quality farmland out that way. I think some of the best around. But anyway, it, it you get out there, Manhattan is really growing, and it's got a big variety of pricing for housing, and just some really offers some nice opportunities for people. And the city of Manhattan has uh, done really good things. A lot of when, even during back during the recession, the city was offering incentives for people to move there. And uh, what we drove through, we people. drove through it. The word "city" is a misleading term. What? The word "city" or village. Oh. <laughs> Village, town, whatever yeah. you want to call it, it's, it's getting there. Even well, it's Chicago on, it's started somewhere. It's on it's, the railroad. Uh, very nice place because you're actually you've got the there's a train stop there. You're right off Stevenson. Uh, you're right off uh, of uh, I-55, and there's a lot of 52 is one of the cross streets through town there. So it's growing, and uh, it's got all the you know if you build it, you basically big stores will come. So. There's enough there, and if you need certain things, then you know you're either going into uh, Frankfurt or Orland or down to Kankakee because you're kind of in the middle of both right there. Yeah. Right there. Well, I mean, they're on the rail line, so I, I've always uh, thought that if you increased the speed of the uh, the commuter rails, even from an average of whatever, and we did all these studies at Pullman. I mean, I I think that you, know, you should be able to get from DeKalb to Chicago. Right, Jan, and well, here's and, yeah. here's the problem though with that, with that whole assumption is the people who want to go to Chicago. Well, anymore. that's yeah, that's you know, yeah. that's a whole different. But you know, more and more people are either there's businesses. Once you get that far out, and a lot of times life takes a different turn. If you're at that point from Chicago, not everybody a commutes every day or b wants to go to Chicago. You know, they have their own businesses out there. There's your own life out there, and. You know that the you're, you're, it's basically a standalone community, pretty much. Well, the people uh, somehow no, nobody recognizes the assets that they have. I mean, I, I guess that's just human nature or whatever. But or bad politics or something. I mean, Chicago is the rail hub of the country, and that's essentially why. And it also was a port, 
So the, the history of Chicago is there, there could be no other Chicago because it'll, geographically it was just here, right? I mean, you, well, had, a, you had every every. Well, actually, Lockport was on the road to be the first Chicago until they actually reversed the Chicago River and made it more attractive for trade. But Lockport would have been Chicago if it wasn't for uh, for that. Fact. Well, the, the amount of comings and goings of of ships and stuff, and anyway, it's long long Chicago history. But the, the they then all of a sudden nobody wanted any trains in Chicago, right? So Hamden hard, Hamden hard. So finally, a, a lot of the trains now. They are the big distribution center is in Joliet, right, Jen? Isn't that where the, the yeah. Canadian National put that massive new thing? So you, you see all these train tracks in Chicago. You don't see trains on them too often. Well, is that great? Well, it's not great because everybody left, <laughs> right? It, the places that, that, that uh, uh, you still are going to, if you're going to ship pipes, you're going to ship steel, you're going to ship everything, you're going to ship it on trail, on, on train. I mean, that, it's way cheaper than I mean, the weight and all the other kind of stuff. And then, uh, But that, the... Uh, Manhattan's on a rail line. It actually is the last stop of the Southwest Service, which has just been expanded down there. So even though maybe some people don't want to commute uh, to Chicago, the fact is there's o- there's other stops along the way. I mean, if if you expanded the uh, the train to DeKalb, it, it doesn't mean that somebody doesn't get off in Naperville, right, Jen? I mean, it could be yeah. de- so. I mean, if if your job is in Naperville, you can get off there. But but the idea is that this could be even if you up up the speed a little bit um anyway but but the that's the wabash the wabash line is through there which is now norfolk and and, uh southern right but that was the the wabash line and uh what was their claim to fame what made those guys separate different of course they had the wabash cannonball right the passenger train but their their claim is they had a direct line from detroit to kansas city that did not go through chicago and that was the reason why there was a huge Oldsmobile plant in Kansas City, because uh, you could ship parts in Detroit without having to come through here. They had a direct line, and then they made the the spur up into Chicago from there. So you get to Chicago to Kansas City on the Wabash, which is now the Norfolk. But all these all these places have a history. And Manhattan, Bod's right. It's right on a train line. It's not it's not the stick. It's out there, but it's not naked out there. Is that the fairest way to put it? I mean, you're well, you're close to actually to Joliet, yeah. and uh, to the point is. The other town that has grown unbelievably, it's a great, I loved it when it was a great little town, and it's grown exponentially, is Shorewood. Shorewood is uh, booming, and that has every single story you possibly want now uh, up and down the area through there. Uh, great area. The uh, DuPage River runs through there. There's some beautiful housing tracks and great housing supply there. So that Shorewood, Manhattan, Joliet connection is, is right out there also. Don't a lot of those people work at the uh, in Shorewood work at the electric plant, the nuclear plant, right? I have no idea. Because it's it's right near there, but 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 the area, the, the idea is there, there's something to be said for people living in a a closer community because transportation, and everything is a lot cheaper. And I, I don't know, I don't know what the Midwest will look like if Chicago continues to degrade. I mean, uh, Detroit degraded, but the metropolitan area is still huge, right, Jan? Same with St. Louis. <clears throat> St. Louis is down to, what, 250,000 people, yet the metropolitan area is still in the millions, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got a, a thriving, you know, edge city, you know, you know, system where, where the suburbs are quite prosperous. I think growing, you know, in some directions, maybe even on the Illinois side, too. But the city itself is just more of a... Yeah, and I just, well, I don't know where that all... but. Uh, so right now, in terms of housing prices, because of well, because of some of the peculiarity that 
there's not any kind of supply on the market. You're not really seeing any here. You're not seeing much of a degradation in prices, but I've heard you talk to some people out of Chicago yesterday, and prices are getting a little a little wobbly, aren't they? Well, I was actually talking to a uh, dear friend who's in Florida and who um, thought that she would like Florida. She really loved the people, loved where she was at, but she said she just cannot take the summers. It's too hot for her. So she is, uh, we're all about her friends are happy that she's planning on selling her condo and coming back to Illinois. So we're all happy for for us because she's a great friend. But uh, what's ha- uh, happened is the heat has been so intense. She lives around the Tampa area that she said you, there, you could barely go outside because by 8 o'clock in the morning it already starts to take your breath away. And she is fairly young and healthy and is out playing sports all the time. She's like, you can't even... You can't even go outside. She called me one day and it was 121 degrees. I mean, that's just crazy with the heat stuff and the humidity yeah. of that. So she said, it's, it's just, you just have to hide in the house. You barely go to the store. You can't go to the pool because the pools are like hot. So yeah. it's, well, the ocean, said, the it's just become hot. not fun. And to her point, which she is nervous about now after the last hurricane, she's not directly on the water, but the complex she lives in has parts that extends pretty much all the way to the Gulf. And one of her friends who owns a uh, big, beautiful home on the Gulf just got informed that after they paid for this renovation after the storm, they were dropping her insurance. So the units over there are not going to be insured. So what's what's driving some of the values, I believe it would be interesting to have somebody from the area talk about it, maybe we could find somebody, is that now, all of a sudden, everybody who wanted to be on the waterfront, which is, of course, is fabulous down there. I love it myself. Is that you know, unless you're farther in, you you run the risk of losing your ins- your home insurance, and the companies are just leaving, so there is no uh, uh, are no insurance companies available down there. So that, of course, if you and if you can't insure your house, you can't get a mortgage. Yeah. So it's going to become a vicious circle. Uh, on housing there. So we're going to see, I mean, this might be somewhere, something where the government, if they had any sense, would probably step in and start forming a um, insurance availability. Now, I think they actually have one down there, but I think to the point where they used to, like in Illinois, have an insure, health insurance for people who were uninsurable, but then you had to wait in line because it was so popular. I think that they actually you may have something like that going, but again, have a waiting list. So again, to anybody's point who lives on in an affected area, Louisiana, something where the, you know, God forbid you use your insurance, and they get it, but everybody's happy to take your premium until you well, you have to use it, but then nobody wants to be in the business. So it's kind of a tough situation. So I think more than everybody wants to, I'd love to be down there, especially in the winters, but if you can't buy and insure a place, where's where is it going to take the value? Well, do you? Uh, I heard you you're talking to him, but I, I was wasn't listening, trying to listen to every word. You it was your conversation, but the uh, when I think the term Allstate came up, and Jan, you probably know. Uh, it's one of Allstate subsidiaries. I was going to say down there. I it, it's not Allstate proper. It's one of Allstate's little little guys that insure down there, and then if 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 they totally go under, Allstate's not going to get taken with them, right? Isn't that the story? Yeah. So now you're saying even the even the offshoot doesn't want to. Maybe it's 
I, I'm I'm wondering, and boy, I wish I, Kenny might know more about this or, or, or uh, Dan. The how many offshoots do you think Allstate has in Florida, Chad? I bet it's not just one. I bet there's all kinds of them. So one area, if they have to, they could just declare bankruptcy and be gone. If the whole area gets yeah. washed, yeah, I would bet. You know, they've, they've sort of you know, determined it regionally. You know, because there's different risks associated with different coasts and you know, north versus south and everything else. This has probably been fine-tuned by all the insurers that done business there. Um, what's what's concerning to me, I mean, it's happened in California too, where they're, they're just bowing out completely. They're not writing new policies, or they're closing you know shop entirely. Uh, this is something I don't think anybody really forecasted or saw as something that would be happening in, in you know sort of tandem with the same sort of thing happening in other states that have formerly been big destination states for people moving out of the Rust Belt and elsewhere um, I, this is a variable that I didn't particularly foresee and it's, it's got huge consequences for growth for these places well I don't, I don't I'm not a huge Florida fan but Seemed like when I was uh, way younger, a lot of times hurricanes would hit, you know, spots where were kind of sparsely populated. And obviously, if it ran up the street in Miami or New York, you had a problem. Uh, it didn't happen, you know, all that often, but enough. And it seems like it, they they claim the storms are getting more frequent. I don't, I don't know about that, but there also is a much greater chance since pretty much the entire state on the coast is is built populated. up. Yeah. That on the one hand, every time it goes somewhere, it's going to hit something. On the other hand, your your pool of people paying in, if you ring the, from Carolina all the way around Florida all the way to New Orleans, the pool of people paying in is a, is a lot bigger. I, I just wonder if, if the losses versus the revenue is that much different than it was 10 or 20 years ago or 30. I mean, the losses clearly are bigger because the chance of hitting a, a uh, you know, a populated area are way higher because there are more populated areas and maybe the value of the areas themselves is higher uh, some of that has to do with the Fed has done to the dollar as we talked about earlier but by and large I gotta believe the premiums are huge if you take it all the way from Carolina around to New Orleans I mean I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that I don't know what do you think Ed? I mean I mean, there's, there's so many places interesting to uh, find that out you know because again all this like to, to have that premium paid on time but you know sometimes you gotta try and pry it out of their cold dead hands also when something happens was that it was that oh. a uh, an editorial comment on insurance companies in general no my, my insurance <laughs> actually i tell you i will i have state farm and i have uh, been happy always happy my state farm agent is the best and uh, the company is always whatever i've needed that have always treated me like gold so i have no complaints personally but I think that it'd be interesting to see if we could get an uh, Allstate person to comment on there, or if that, if that's publicly available knowledge to shareholders. Uh, Maybe I, you could pull that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll bet that's Tom, I think that, you know, one of the things, and Dan Janitas has talked about this too, that he, he, he's been waiting how many months you know, to get repairs done for his place. And I think a lot of people in Florida are in the same boat, and they're paying a lot more, and, and by, you know, you know, it's just inevitable to the insurance companies are paying more. Reconstruction or remodeling costs, building costs generally, have just exploded. And I think this this is something that insurance companies are extremely sensitive to when it comes to you know natural disasters, where everybody is you know on the phone at once to get something done. 
and it's going to there's no way there's enough you know you know building corporations to handle all this without charging top dollar so it, it isn't so much that, you know, they may have big premiums coming in but they've got much greater expenses that going out at the other end too well no, that's a good point I and mean, you know, to your point we are talking about how many how many people I know uh, some contract uh, contractors that they've just picked up and moved down there to get to for work they you know, they can make a ton of money they can work as much as they want and um, <laughs> you can swing a hammer apparently you can you know do pretty well down there well the same thing sort of happened in the rest of the country with the the car prices going up in the pandemic the cost of uh, repairing cars in, in accidents is got to be what do you think it is a triple in the last five years yep. I mean the, the, but here's you, you never you, you never know with these guys I mean and then the well, one you know, he, I don't think it's the, the the labor on that end I think it's, it was the part thing when it became yeah. like oh we can't get anything because everything's made in China we got to ship it that's sitting in the middle of the ocean you know kind of thing uh, same thing with the toilet paper so yeah. toilet paper the auto parts the middle of the ocean so it's um, you know it should be easing up a little because we're, well I don't think the supply chain's 100%. I think it's better than it was. I, mean, I don't know uh, how badly the ports are backed up anymore. I think they've... I don't know. I, I think they, I've heard that they've gotten... I think they're uh, a lot better. Back to normal. Yeah, but pretty but much you, back to normal. You, you, you never know with these guys. I mean, I say that. On the one hand, everybody reported auto insurance... Where are we? 2023. I'm going to say 2021 and 2022. State Farm lost it. Every one of these firms reported huge losses on auto insurance. Yet, I don't know why nobody was driving around. Well, I, let's see. The pandemic, nobody was driving. Right. So you're well, that, that, that year they had a good year, but the two years after, they, they claim they've lost the fortune. Now, my question is, if you turn on any football game, you turn on any f- baseball, and anything that has a lot of listenership, for God's sake, if you, all you do is see Flo, Jake from State Farm, the, the stupid bird. I mean, they, Liberty, yeah, Liberty. Liberty, yeah. They, like the ostrich? It's, it, he's an emu. I love emu. the ostrich. Emu, emu. He's an the emu. The emu, the emu, emu yeah. yeah. You don't want Not to, be to any- offend the ostriches. You don't want to be anywhere near the hartford or the antlers. The but I'm saying, they, they, how much money they spend on, on on advertising? If you lose money in every policy you write, why do you want more policies? That's the only way they can survive. Good God, you don't want to be anywhere near new a, business. New business. <laughs> you don't want to be near an ostrich. The male ostrich is about the da- most dangerous creature. Uh, anyway, just what? I, I think oh, they, they can run talons, like yeah. up to thirty miles an hour. Yeah. The, uh, Which is a lot faster than I can run. Take on an ostrich, then. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have to big have cat. You know, you have to have Bear. if you have an ostrich farm. If you got a male ostrich, you got to build a baseball bat. You got to build a, a, a like a deck around the thing where if the thing's after you, you can roll under the deck and get away. There. And you need a big insurance policy. Though. Absolutely, you don't want to be anywhere near one of those boys. See, and, and, and that's why I want alpacas. Oh God. The uh, anyway, S and P futures down three. Nasdaq futures down twenty eight. Well, what's your market call? Are we going to bounce back from a Friday's debacle, or we going to keep going down here? Well, it's coming up to that time of year, so I think we're going to be on a little bit of a roller coaster here. And, hey, we haven't had a 1% downturn this year yet, have we? Maybe we we're coming up to them every that. day. You mean 10%. We've been 1% every day. 10%, I mean, yeah. yeah. No. Well, oh, God. Could be. Could be. Hold on to your uh, sides of the chair. Here we go. Do you know where your puts are? Oh, God. <laughs> be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. That's all, folks. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. JetBlue Airways. It's not the only way to fly, but it should be. Visit JetBlue.com. Empower HR, your human resources partner. That's EmpowerHR.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. BDL Compliance Consulting. Visit BDLCC.com. DAX Research. Listen to David Andelman on Mondays and Thursdays and go to DACSResearch.net. Have a few drinks and, you know, drive home.